Welcome to The Nature Connection, the podcast featuring Dr. Les Higgins, who's an enthusiastic bushwalker who studied the psychology of nature connectedness and written extensively about it. I'm Wendy Moore, an artist who finds great inspiration and sanity from wandering in the bush. Both of us are passionate about connecting with nature and we hope that our chats will encourage and empower you to deepen your own relationship with nature. Morning, Les. I wanted to tell you this week about two walks that I had last week. On one, I had my phone with me. There was a bit of an issue that I was trying to sort out. Uh, People were texting me. I was fielding phone calls. And I also had go on a walk on my to-do list. So I headed off on my walk um, for 90 minutes. I texted, I talked, I mulled over the problems and I ticked it off when I'd finished. And then the next day, the problems were still ongoing. I still had go on a walk on my to-do list. I went on my walk, but after 10 minutes, I realised I'd forgotten my phone and it was too late for me to go back and get it. So I just kind of switched into, I don't know, I call it enjoyment expectancy mode. I knew that I was walking past a a little grove of trees where they're often crimson rosellas and I was really looking forward to seeing a lot of wildflowers that were springing up. So I didn't have long to walk. I only did a, a walk that was about half an hour. But the difference between how I felt after those two walks was so interesting. So with the first one, I came back and I felt kind of irritated and resentful and pressured. With the second one, I came back and I felt quite refreshed and and energised. And even though I hadn't thought about the problem, I was actually able to think of a solution quite quickly soon after I got back. And I know from my reading that that the difference lies in the fact that that second walk, I was engaged with nature and it it wasn't just a sort of physical experience, but it was a psychological one. So what are some of the things that we can do, apart from forgetting our phones, that help us to actually engage with nature? Well, I must say you did very well on the walk. Um, that approaching it expectantly was uh, a very good step but look, there are there are five practices. There may be more, but there are five that have been that have been shown to work. The first one is to seek and savor beauty. Now, I'm going to tell you a story a little bit like yours. A day or two ago, my mm-hmm. wife and I set out on a mission. We wanted to see an exceptional display of flannel flower in a nearby national park. Now, the flannel flower, mm-hmm. are, are, as you probably know, are large multi-petal white flowers that grow in profusion a year or so after bushfires. Yes, we found masses of flannel flower among the other among them, among other colourful wildflowers, everywhere in the coastal heath, where a mass of the flannel flower was set against the azure blue of the ocean and the cloudless sky, the impact was simply stunning. Now we just walked on, entranced Emotionally stirred, no, no, no doubt about that, and utterly absorbed in the landscape. No talk. But afterwards, we couldn't stop talking about the experience and the effect that it had on us. We relived the experience, looking at the photos I'd taken, and then by telling others about it. 
Now, that's what seeking and savoring beauty is all about, deliberately and expectantly setting out to experience natural beauty. Now, much of natural beauty cannot be missed. It sort of hits you in the eye, doesn't it? But be prepared to look for beauty in out-of-the-way places and in the details of nature. Now, the second practice is stimulate your senses. This practice is about letting your senses be captured by the sight, sounds, the sense, the textures and tastes of the natural world. Now, this is easy to do because our senses are actually tuned to be attentive to nature. Now, the third practice is notice your feelings. You do this by paying attention to your emotions, being aware of them and, and noting how they are playing out in your body as well as your mind. It also involves thinking about the effects the emotions may be having on your happiness and mood. Right? Now, the fourth practice is to discover what nature means to other people. Now, no one can connect with nature for us, but even so, our journey to nature connectedness can be enriched, guided, and inspired by, you know, other people's nature experiences, especially those that are captured in photographs and paintings and in poetry and other forms of writing. Now, this, is, this practice is a way of experiencing nature indirectly. Now, while not as powerful as, as experiencing nature firsthand, this indirect way of accessing nature is rewarding and beneficial in surprising ways. Interestingly, viewing nature photographs can reduce stress and promote recovery from mental fatigue. Amazing. Now, the final practice is to care for nature in thought and action. Caring actions foster closeness between the carer and the cared for. Any keen gardener will tell you this, as will people actively involved in hands-on conservation pro projects, such as those organised by Land Care and Conservation Volunteers in Australia, just to name a couple. Because a, a caring space is an intimate space, one of understanding, of unity, affection, respect and empathy. Mm -hmm. There's, there's so much in that, isn't there? I mean, let, let's unpack some of them a little bit. I, I certainly relate very strongly to what you're saying about seeking and savouring beauty, and I think that's really often what the core of my artwork is about. I talk about the fact that I just love to celebrate the beauty that I see in nature. Why is it good for us to actually savour beauty? Well, um the the practice of seeking and savouring beauty is the easiest and the most effective way of cultivating nature connectedness. If we, if we possess an astonishing ability to find beauty in almost all forms of nature, including representations of it in pictures and photographs. Now, natural beauty and, and beauty of every kind is, is mainly experienced as, as pleasure aesthetic pleasure, or I prefer to call it the beauty buzz. This is a, a feel-good and powerful emotion that can range from, you know, a, a warm glow to heady euphoria. Now, it's a, it's a highly rewarding emotion. To, to experience it is to leave us wanting more, and we are attracted to beauty and beautiful things for that reason. We're drawn to nature largely because it's full of beauty. One of the surest pathways to nature connectedness is to seek and savour beauty. Mm. 
And and I think last week both of us practiced uh, the three two one technique. Well, I did, um, and this fits in really beautifully with that that second technique you talked about of stimulating your senses, doesn't it? It certainly does. Now, stimulating our senses requires us to pay attention mindfully by making a point of mm. observing nature close up, for example or giving yourself mini projects such as looking for patterns in the barks, bark of trees or, or noticing the different shapes and colours of leaves. You might also try selecting just one sound to listen to or a single object or landscape feature to explore, really explore and investigate with your senses. You could also try observing the natural world as, as if you were an artist or a photographer or composer or, or poet. I sometimes think about Rachel Carson's advice in this connection. She says, attend to nature as if it were your last opportunity to do so. The practice also, and this is very important, also requires us to eliminate distractions, the mobile phone and distracting thoughts, for example. Mm. Well, I certainly learnt that last week and I I feel like I've got a new sense to to stimulate um, because, as you know, I've had a cochlear implant recently, so I'm enjoying sounds in nature that I haven't been able to hear for decades. So that's been just fantastic. Liz, I'm intrigued with the practice that you mentioned about noticing your feelings and I'm just wondering why just feeling the feelings isn't enough. Well, the feelings I'm talking about are the positive ones, especially pleasure, joy, awe, wonder, tranquility. Now, we now know, the science is telling us, that these positive emotions are enormously important for all aspects of our well-being and health. Their ripple effect, you know, their effects rather ripple across our learning, our thinking, our creativity, and indeed our responses to other Mm -hmm. people. Now, such important inputs to our well-being and quality of life must be exploited to the full. This is especially so because our brains are better at storing and replaying memories of the unpleasant things that happen to us rather than the good things. Now, as a result of this, bad experiences tend to wire our brains to expect bad things to happen to us. Now, this is obviously detrimental to our mental health and outlook on life, and to counter this, there's a uh, Rick Hansen, a neuropsychologist, says we should dwell on our positive emotions by staying with them, thinking mm-hmm. about them, exploring their wider benefits to our well-being. He's doing this. He mm-hmm. keeps our positive emotions active for longer, and thus more likely to rewire our brains towards being happy rather than anxious or sad. And that's. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, we do, it's so easy to focus on the negative stuff and to actually dwell on the positive. That's, um, that's great advice. That's really good advice. Um, one of, one of my favorite poems is one called My Work is Loving the World by Mary Oliver. And she's someone that really knows about connecting with nature, isn't she? Um, Indeed. She mm. has a phrase in that poem that just gives me, always gives me goosebumps when I read it. She talks about standing still and learning to be astonished. And I think, oh, what a, what a way to live. But I'm really excited that one of the practices that you mentioned was, I think it was discovering what nature means to other people. 
and and certainly poetry you mentioned um, and photography. What are some of the other ways that we can discover what nature means to other people? Oh, well, look, really any form of writing, including blog posts. If you look around, you'll find there's some wonderful testimonies to the power of nature in uh, in people's blogs. Mm. And, of course, very, very powerful way is through photographs and art, as you mentioned. The, the late Peter Dombrovskis mm. photographs, photographs, photos of the Tasmanian wilderness, for example, they're just magic. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. So entering the nature experiences of people like Mary Oliver and Peter Dombrovskis can strengthen our nature connectedness in several ways. It can rekindle memories of our own experiences. Perhaps that's happened to you, mm-hmm. or it can it can set our sights on places and experiences we might never have considered. It, it can take mm-hmm. us to places where we haven't been and perhaps cannot go, such as the depths of the Tasmanian wilderness. But most important of all, it can place us in the company of inspiring nature-connected people. Yes, and I think it's very true, isn't it, that when you you're in that company, you are more inclined to seek your own um, nature engagement and nature connection, yes. I, I believe, I mean, this has been the big theme, I think, of these podcasts, but I do believe that being in nature and engaging with nature really helps me to be a better person. And I know I've said several times that I feel like I deal with the things that, that happen in life in a, in a more effective and positive way when I am engaging with nature and, and revelling in my nature connectedness. And I just think this is a time when we, we're needing so much compassion and love and therefore we're needing nature connection more than ever. Would you agree? I certainly do. Let me leave you and our listeners with, with this thought. Connecting with nature is really all about caring, caring for yourself, caring for those near and dear to you, caring for your community and caring for the natural environment. Thanks for listening. We hope you found our conversation encouraging, motivating and helpful. You can read more about nature connectedness in Les's blog, Our Green Genes, That's www.ourgreengenes.wordpress and genes is spelled G-E-N-E-S or in his book, Connect with Nature, one of the best things you can do for yourself, others and planet Earth. And this is available online at www.connectwithnatureguide.com and at www.inspiringbookshop.com and through all book retailers. To learn about me and my art, visit www.afterthemonsoon.com.